Welcome back to Teen Space, a podcast all about teen literature and teen topics. I am your host, Sarah O'Brien, and today we are going to be talking about high school reading lists. And my guest today is David Murgia from the Rancho Mirage Library and Observatory. How are you doing, David? Doing well. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good. Yeah, I'm excited uh, to have you on and to talk about this topic. This is a topic that has, you know, it's it comes up, I feel like, almost every year. Um, I've read a ton of articles. I've listened to a podcast, a lot of podcasts about this subject. So what are your thoughts on required reading lists? How did you feel about them when you were in high school? And, and, and now how do you feel about them? Well, I will say that at my high school, required reading was different than I think how it's done now. Okay. I wasn't given a list of books that we had to read. That's true, right. I was, we would just, you show up to English class and you're like, okay, this, this month we're reading this book. Next month we're reading this book and we take the quizzes on it, whatever, mm-hmm. write a paper. Now it seems like I see teens coming into libraries or parents more often than the teens coming in and saying, do you have, what of these do you have? Yes. My son or daughter has to read these 10, 15 books over the summer before. That's true. Right. Yeah. I never had that. Same. There was no summer reading list. There was no required reading list per se. There was just, these are the books that were reading in English class that I'm sure were part of a school district's high school reading list that the teachers picked from. Then uh, that was definitely my soft, freshman and sophomore experience. Mm-hmm. Junior year, I took an AP class, so it was a little different. Mm-hmm. The teacher, Mr. Shag, shout out Mr. Shag, mm-hmm. uh, let us pick. He's like, would you rather read this book or this book? Oh, uh-huh. Would you rather read this book or this book? And and it wasn't the same old same old stuff mm-hmm. um, compared to like what the regular English classes or even the honors English because this, this AP it was actually AP humanities mm-hmm. not just English mm-hmm. so it was even different than what the AP English classes were taking right or reading uh-huh. so that I enjoyed a bit more because it was wasn't the same old stuff that everyone's always reading because mm-hmm. um, I feel like I mean I could break it down like per year, but like uh, junior year, for example, I know that we read The Great Gatsby and Huckleberry Finn. Um, and like, is that what every, like what what did you read? So in that class, that, jun- that my junior in that class, we read Farewell to Arms. Oh, okay. Killer uh-huh. Angels by Michael Shara. Uh-huh. And... That might have been the only novels because, since again, it was humanities. Right. We also, our textbook covered art, it covered architecture, it covered music. How cool. Of the period that we were mm-hmm. studying, which was, I think it was the end of the 20, it was the 20s and 30s. Okay. So, you know, it, again, it wasn't just like a standard English class. Right. But quote unquote required reading books like you know I've still never read of mice and men. Yeah, I haven't either. That's in what everyone else read in junior year. Like junior year. I've Mm -hmm. never read uh, oh what was the other one? I just had it in my mind and then I lost it. So I have to ask, as someone who who is a reader, 
um, because this is, you know, this is one of the questions that kind of comes up with the these required reading lists. Having to, I don't know if force is the right word, but that's kind of all I can think of at the moment. Uh, being forced to read something that maybe you're not interested in, did that have any effect on you reading like on your own? No, I have been a reader my entire life. Mm-hmm. So one thing my parents, I'm very thankful that my parents did is all of my childhood, they read to me every night. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I was able to read on my own, we went to the library mm-hmm. almost every week or every two weeks, whatever the checkout period was. So then I just always got into the habit, even up until probably the last few years, that I would read for an hour almost every day before I went to sleep. Now, of mm-hmm. course, like, if I was at, when I went out hanging out with friends, I might just come home and go to sleep. But if it was just like your average weeknight. In high school, like not necessarily when you were younger. The, all the way through uh-huh, you. elementary school, junior high, high school, mm-hmm. I was home average night, I would be reading before bed. Because mm-hmm. I feel like, I mean, I, I guess I wasn't, you know, paying attention as much when I was in high school. But now that I have been working in libraries for 10 years, um, I hear a lot of kids who, you know, don't like reading or whatever. Uh, it's a lot of that comes from like, we have these um, reading lists that we have to read. And it's material, you know, that was published in the 1800s or in the early um uh, 20th century, you know, and there's no, uh, there's no way that they can relate. And so it's like, I'm being forced to read this. I'm not interested in it. I don't like reading was, I'm, I'm sure that was there like when we were high school, but I'm way more aware of it now. And a lot, when I do talk to the teens, when they come in, for programming or whatever it's that's that's like one of the things that they talk about the most i don't like reading because i don't like what we're reading in school well i agree with that and one like i was <clears throat> i'm a pleasure reader i read for pleasure yes i was established in my childhood where it was like and um as you are well aware in the library world we say if you don't like reading it's because you haven't found your book right yes or even a genre but I do think that, unfortunately, these required reading lists tend to pick books that are super boring, super unrelatable to today's kids. Yes. Or just are just not interesting. (laughs) Now, I will say, because I don't necessarily want to knock the books that are on this reading list. As someone who was not in honors or AP English in high school, you know, I really love, like, I love The Great Gatsby. I love Huckleberry Finn. And I will say, because most people I talk to about Catcher in the Rye absolutely hate it. And I love this book. So I'm not necessarily knocking the books that, you know, we've been reading in high school for literally like 70 years. But I do think it's important that we update these reading lists and read stuff that is more relevant to teen life today. Well, what I would say <clears throat> that is that what kids are reading in high school isn't meant for younger readers. Right. No, right. It was written for adults in the 1800s, the 19, early 1900s. But our collective reading levels have surpassed what the adult reading level was at the time. Right. So now it is 
and as a teenager, the average teenager is reading at that level that adults were 100, 200 years early. Mm -hmm. So that's where I say it's not relevant to them. Mm -hmm. Or it's not written for them. So they haven't reached either the level of maturity, gone through the experiences that would connect them to that type of writing, those, mm -hmm. those writings, um, you know, or just the style of writing, you know, it's, to me, I would say it's very academic. Right. Well, yeah. I will say, I mean, this was at, you know, a middle, uh, a middle grade level. Um, I've done book clubs for, you know, tweens for a long time now. And I chose to read Treasure Island to, you know, sixth, seventh and eighth graders. And up until that point, they were loving all of the books that I had been picking. You know, I was picking what we were reading. And when it came to Treasure Island, it was, I think, even though the kids absolutely hated that book, it was probably one of my personal favorite book club discussions because it wasn't just like, oh, I love this book. I love this character. I love what's happening in the plot. It was like, I hate this book. This book is boring. The writing style, you know, it's uh, Treasure Island, Robert Louis Stevenson, you know, so it's written in a different time period. And it was just kind of them crapping on the book. Now, I liked the book, but to middle schoolers, it was just not appealing at all. And so even though they were trashing it, it was a great conversation because they were talking about why they didn't like it. Well, I would say that, yeah, it's part of it's the, you know, everywhere they say the attention span of our youth is shrinking because of social media, computers, video games, TikTok, all that stuff. But then it's also reading when those books were written are, is also different than it is reading is today. Because yeah, only definitely. the elite had the ability to read those books or the actual luxury to sit down and read a book for an hour. Everyone else was out working their fields or right. working their job to make ends meet, to support and to live, where it was the wealthy and the elites who were able to sit there Right. I actually, when I was uh, briefly living in New York, there was an exhibition all about children's literature, and it was at the main historic branch um, of the New York Public Library. And I learned that children weren't even going into public libraries until like nineteen, like nineteen ten or whatever. So, but just like you were saying, children weren't necessarily reading or being encouraged to read. Um, you know. So what I would I would also say in, in my experience, a lot of the stuff that I didn't that I read in high school that I didn't necessarily enjoy or I didn't get mm -hmm. later on in life, going back and rereading some of that stuff, or just reading some of those materials that I didn't read, mm -hmm. it kind of clicks because as you have more life experience, you go through things, you might be able to connect to something differently. Mm -hmm. um, some of it to me is still like this is boring. Why is this person considered a class of writer or an all-time great? My personal experience, Hemingway. I know oh, people that just go Gaga <laughs> over Hemingway. He's so. Like, I think it's so dull. He's one of the five best writers of all time. Now, I've only read two of his words. I read Farewell to okay. Arms in high school for that AP Humanities class. I fell asleep every time I tried to read it, no matter what time of day, no matter what I was doing. 
fell asleep, just straight fell asleep. It put me to sleep every time. Mm-hmm. I did not do grand on the quizzes because I couldn't get the reading done because I would literally fall asleep. Fast forward eight, nine years uh, after I started working in libraries, I was like, old man in the sea. It's like 120 pages. I think it's so boring. I enjoyed it. And that, <laughs> that was the one that made me go like, okay, I get it now. I'm not going to ever read anything else of this, but this is like, okay, I see why people love him. See, that's the one I fall asleep in. I don't even think I have finished Old Man in the Sea. And then there you go. But then it's like, what? we've had different life experiences. Right. So there's something that either connects or I would even say even you can read the right book at the wrong time. Definitely. Yes. So, I mean, there are books that I started to read, couldn't stand it put it down, came back to it years later. I'm like, oh my God, why didn't I not read this before? This Mm -hmm. is such an amazing book. So do you think that we should still read, you know, what has been in the high school reading list, you know, for so long? Is there some that maybe we should take out from that reading list? I I would say that it should be updated regularly. Mm -hmm. Like, you want to keep some of the class, the quote unquote classics because they are important for a reason. Either the, the style of writing by the author. History. The, the way that the plot was structured, different elements and it's and there's something to learn from it. How they capture a certain tone or mood or mm-hmm. what have you, but then also recognize that you need something that needs to be more relevant. Right. So for example, um, instead of reading The Stranger by Albert Camus, mm-hmm. I think that was the, no, that was the third book that I can't remember, The Stranger by Albert Camus. Uh-huh. That is a book that you have to be in the right headspace to understand. Yeah. To get into That's it. one so of my brother's favorite books. We've read that as part of our philosophy portion of that humanities class. Uh-huh. And it is an existentialist thinking type book. Mm-hmm. Now, our youth of today thinking existentially are they philosophy majors in college no you know they're youth so instead of that maybe you have for example um this might be a little controversial pick but like the hate you get for Mm -hmm. example something that has to do with more current recent events Events. Uh or timelines instead of all these period pieces that aren't necessarily relevant because I'll throw one out. I didn't read it in high school. Some people did. It, I think it appears on lots of reading lists, but it's not one of those ones that like everybody reads. Mm-hmm. Um, John Steinbeck's As I Lay Dying. I have not read that. I haven't read it. Mm-hmm. I know that the basic plot is the story is written about from the perspective, I think, of a 14-year-old boy who dead father or parent, one of his parents is dead, and then he's driving the wagon, taking his dead parent to town or wherever so they can be buried or mm-hmm. what have you. Ugh. You know, and it's like, that's probably not relevant to most kids. If, right. So if a kid has gone through a parent's death, it might hit them differently. But that's not something that we're going to, most kids are going to relate to. They're mm-hmm. not going to relate to having to put their dead parent in a wagon and take that wagon from on the, from their farm 30 miles away to town mm-hmm, right. to deal with that. So something that come captures more current events or just 
more recent even was, I mean, even if it's just set in the 90s or more uh, you know more recent writing could be completely different for them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Definitely. be more relevant I'm not saying that that isn't a good piece of writing it probably is John Steinbeck's considered him he's another one I believe he wrote I remember reading in the eighth grade I believe it's him um the the pearl I believe so yes I haven't read that one. that's an excellent story but some of his other stuff that I've read travels with Charlie uh he has a pony book something about a pony I think Something about a pony or horse. Not into it. <laughs> but Only then Steinbeck I've actually read. Yes, Steinbeck is uh, Graves of Wrath. But then, like, I feel like Catcher in the Rye is one that a lot of people, like, love to hate. You know, J.D. Salinger, well, he didn't write that much. And he's considered, you know, one of the greatest writers in American literature. And I, like, I love Catcher in the Rye. And... A lot of people hate it. Do they hate the writing style? Now, the character Holden is, he is, you don't like him. That's the point. Is, and I think people don't like it because it's like, well, the protagonist is not necessarily like a good character. They want a character that they're going to like. Um, but I think that's why I like it is like, you're meant to not like this character. I would say that could be a hallmark of a good piece of writing, though, is that device. Mm -hmm. that people either love it or hate, hate it, it instead of indifferent. Mm -hmm. Now, I've only attempted to read Catcher in the Rat once stopped after like 10 to 15 pages. That was 10 plus years ago, so maybe I need to circle around to it. I mean, it's basically just a kid, a, a privileged uh, kid, you know, walking around line. New York. Right, you know, I, I, from what I hear, it's like this whiny mm -hmm. kid being whiny whining about why he isn't being served the world on a silver platter. And I think another part of it is, is even though there are other characters, it's, it's mostly just like this monologue of this one character. That's the entire book where I think we're used to there being like a lot of characters interacting with the protagonist. And, and we like all of those elements where this one is like, you know, like this monologue of this one character and people might find that like incredibly boring. I don't know. But it can also be done very well because I know I read some writings where it was fully within the character's mind, like mm -hmm. the whole story. It was their inner monologue, or it's just them by themselves doing something, and it was compelling. But a lot of that has to do with the writing, and then you know the writing styles or of the times could be different than you know. I would say with today's youth, the, the you know typical attention span, you don't take the time to sit and mm -hmm. absorb stuff. If something's not happening to keep their attention, all this action, then it's just like, why would I want to watch this or listen to this or read this? Right. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but then you know, but that's just one of those things because I read mostly fiction. And when I talk to people that read mostly nonfiction, one of the things I say is like, I, I'm fascinated by these subjects potentially, but then the, the books are just, the writing is so dry, it's so dull, Drab. so monotone. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to keep your engagement, even if I'm really interested in the subject. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same thing with the required reading list. For as many great novels or works that kids 
read, I think there's just as many that are that those style of writing is just not going to keep the attention span. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. So that's where I would say, you know, update those reading lists, you know, make them somewhat more relevant or hopefully teachers say, okay, I'll pick one. And then you, you guys pick, pick mm-hmm. one. You yeah, know? that would, that would be nice. Well, you know, and so then that way there's a mixture of, some of the classes. Yeah, getting feedback from the students. One thing what that they I think that they can completely cut from required reading lists uh-huh. are any plays. No, so that no, is the thing. Here's the thing. Let me let me finish. Plays because plays are supposed to be performed and watched, not read. Like I hate reading Shakespeare. Oh, see, I love it. I hate it. Why? Because it's. The one, it's the, the old English, the, mm-hmm. the 14th century or whatever. Now, do you hate it because I know that your sister was like super into Shakespeare? No, and it has nothing to do with that because it's a play. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be watched or performed. It's not supposed to be read. It's just like movie screenplays. It's a visual, it's prepping a visual medium. It's not supposed to be read like a book. No, but when you're having a class reading a play, you're 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 learning how on a very basic level, you're learning how to be an actor because of how you project, you know. Well, that's that's performance, but if you just assign a here's a copy of Romeo and Juliet, read it and we're taking a test on Monday. I mean, yeah, that would sound boring. That is boring, and that's what my experience has been. Now, performing a play is completely different, and that's what I'm saying. It should be performed or watched, not just read like it's a book. Did you have to read any Shakespeare yes. in high school? Romeo and Juliet. Uh huh. Every other ninth grade kid. Yeah, in right. The world. <laughs> uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. I think that was in tenth grade. I want to say Taming of the Shrew was somewhere in there. Uh huh. I think ninth grade. Julius Caesar. Never read it. No. Never watched it. Uh, Macbeth, Othello. Never read it, never watched it. Mm-hmm, right. Uh, Othello, never read it, never watched it. Mm-hmm. Because, well, one, I would watch it, but reading it has been ruined for me. <laughs> well, we're going to go ahead and I'm, take... I'm going to read Shakespeare just to, before we go to our little break. Mm-hmm. Before we read Shakespeare, if we're going to read Shakespeare, read the sonnets, read the poems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Watch the plays. Don't watch the plays, yeah. Well, we're going to take a short break and then we'll be back. <laughs> Welcome back. So this last segment, I want to ask, so two questions. What would you add to the required reading list? Something maybe you have read recently, um, you know, a teen book that you think should be a part of these lists. And what is a book that you would keep on the required reading list? Okay. <laughs> you threw me for a loop with the first part of that question oh, okay sorry mainly because like i was just thinking of a book that i would add but then you said a teen book and like the one i was thinking of isn't necessarily a teen book okay well okay that's fine okay well the first one the one that i would keep mm-hmm. is probably the book that i read that i enjoyed the most in high school and i probably wouldn't have picked it but that is killer angels by michael shara okay shara shara i'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it um, and that is a novel that's about the Battle of Gettysburg. Okay, now, I have not read this. At the time, I was very, I've, I've always been interested by Civil War history and everything. 
Um, I don't think it hurt that. So the the Killer Angels or mm -hmm. is has been adapted into the film Gettysburg with Martin Sheen and a slew of other actors. Like and I have not Jeff seen that Daniels, either. <laughs> uh, C. Thomas Howell. Okay. So one of the things that caught me is just that I really enjoyed that movie. I think it was very well done capturing the essence of what happened at Gettysburg in terms of the battle, the struggles between the people realizing, you know, military strategy mistakes or, you know, war is, you know, war is terrible. It is bad. It is not something that really should be glorified. Mm -hmm. I think it captured that well. And then I think I enjoyed the book a lot more because having independently not realized that it was the basis for the adaptation of the film Gettysburg, mm -hmm. I was like, whoa, this is like verbatim. Oh, okay. Because so many movie. times they really, they really deviate right, from where the, the, the books. dialogue is almost verbatim. That's amazing terms. how much you can remember of this book that you read. However long ago. Know, but it, was just, like, it really struck me because mm -hmm. it was like, whoa, that was the first adaptation of, of a book that I came across where I feel like they really adapted the book instead mm -hmm. of called it something, changed it completely, mm -hmm. and then put out a completely different product that was only related to name, mm -hmm. which seems to be what Hollywood usually does. So this one, like, dialogue scenes were verbatim in terms of dialogue from the book and it really struck me and that so i would keep that mainly just because then you can see you you can also have the film as a companion mm -hmm. whether it's through a history unit or an english unit um i would keep that one mm -hmm. because i enjoyed that so much i kind of like whoa it kind of caught me off guard mm -hmm. and i never would have picked it because right I typically don't read historical fiction. So I'm sorry, was that one that the, the teacher said, we're going to read this, or was this one that like the class uh, picked? That one was Mr. Shag uh -huh. picked it for our AP minutes. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. That's what we read. Um, so I would keep that, I'm, but that's not a super common one. Mm -hmm. It is on a lot of reading lists. I've heard of it, but I right, but never read it. It's one like of my submit, mm -hmm. like Romeo and Juliet, all those ones that like always on them every year from right for the last 50 years now the pick that i the book that i i kind of cheated because it's not actually a book it's a collection of novellas oh okay so stephen king's different seasons it's uh -huh. four novellas packaged together one book for each season or one, one novella for, for each, each season. season okay so there's the the spring summer winter fall oh okay. in the actual why am I surprised by this? For those who don't know David, yeah, he is a Stephen King. I'm a very big Stephen King <laughs> fan. This is probably my favorite Stephen King work. But huh, the reason why okay. I picked it is because it shows different types of writing. Oh, okay. So, and then particularly from Stephen King. Mm -hmm. So, the other, <laughs> I didn't realize it when I made these choices, but three of the four novellas have been ad adapted into film. Oh, they have? Okay. Yes. So I can't remember the third, the fourth one that wasn't adapted into a film, but mm -hmm. uh, this collection includes Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, oh, which uh -huh. was turned into Did the film, the Shawshank Redemption. Mm -hmm. 
It features the novella Apt People, which was turned into the film Apt People. Okay, definitely then, don't know that one. And then The Body, which was adapted into the film Stand By Me. Oh, okay. So I can't remember what the fourth one was, and I didn't do my lazy internet research to figure it out before we talked about it. But uh, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, it's not horror. You know, when you think of Stephen mm -hmm. King, you think of like Carrie, It, um, you know. The more, Mist. The Mist, mm -hmm. horror stories. So that one is more just, I guess, more in the style of literary fiction. Mm -hmm. How this man goes to prison. How, what's his life? So, what season prison. is that supposed to be? I believe it's spring. Spring, okay. Because the whole he goes to prison and then he gets, gets out. out. Of okay, so like spring, a rebirth. Rebirth, renewal, mm -hmm. I believe. Okay, um, that makes sense. So you know, but then the body, which was adapted into Stand By Me, summer. This summer, mm -hmm. that is the, you know, the 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 summer childhood adventures. Being that, outside. That, you know, you're hanging mm -hmm. out with your friends and you get into mischief or whatever and, you know, captures that sense of youth. Yes. That, those, that nostalgia. Yes. But then again, it's not necessarily horror. It's, mm -hmm. um, it's different. It's an adventure mystery coming of age, if you will. Right. You know, so it shows different mm -hmm. sides of Stephen King's writing. Aside from just okay, already I'm movie. loving this recommendation. And then the third one that I can remember is Apt Pupil, which was adapted into Apt Pupil. Okay. And that is a story, I believe it's the fall one. It is about a, a teenage boy who's in high school who realizes that his next door neighbor is a Nazi. Oh. Hiding, like he mm -hmm. changes, he realizes, I don't think it's supposed to be a particular person, but mm -hmm. he was he realizes he was a high-ranking Nazi that either ran a concentration camp, you know, it was one of those like Ivan the Butcher or, okay. you know, mm -hmm. just had that reputation. So he realizes this and kind of blackmails him, mm -hmm. the neighbor, into telling him what it was like and all of this stuff. Oh, now, okay. I've never seen the film. Mm -hmm. The film is stars Brad Renfro and Ian McClellan. Ian McClellan plays the Nazi. Well, I love Brad Renf Renfro. Um, so he's the. So I don't know how that compares mm -hmm. adaptation wise. And it's been a long time since I've actually read Apt People, so I don't. You know, kind of delves into the darkness of World War II. And I believe it gets into the psycholog some psychological aspects mm -hmm. where. Maybe if, if I remember right, not to give spoilers away, but then like the psychological effects that this discovery and blackmail has on the neighbor mm -hmm. and then the effect it has also on the teenager. Uh -huh. Wow, this is a great recommendation. I want to go so and I read these let now. Me, uh, so let me see it. Let me look and see what the fourth story is because that one didn't impact me as much as the other. <laughs> um, but that was the, that would be the one I would add. It's kind of cheating because it's four novellas mm -hmm. collected into one. But still, I think that's word. I think it's important that teens should be able. Um, you don't just have to read like a straight, you know, uh, one fiction story. It's okay to read uh, novellas, poems, um, you know, other types of writing. Okay, so let's see. The other one is the breathing method, and that's the winter. Okay. So I was right. So. 
Rita Hayworth in the Shawshank Redemption was Hope Springs Eternal. Mm-hmm. Act People was actually the summer one. Summer of oh. Corruption. The Body was Fall from Innocence. And oh, then Breathing okay. Method is just A Winter's Tale. Uh, do you own this? I do. Okay, yeah. I'm going to have to take that from you and read it now. <laughs> <laughs> Great recommendation. Um, so for me, I think uh, the one that I would keep in the required reading list is Lord of the Flies, uh, a classic, a personal okay, favorite. Okay, I'm sorry. The Breathing Method. Uh, there are two articles saying that is in the works to be adapted. Of course, but everything everything written by Stephen King. And then the second one for, was from 2019. Dang. So who knows? Yeah, the future of this project. Right. Okay. Um, so uh, yeah, um, I would choose Lord of the Flies to stay in the required reading list. Um, it's a classic. It's very well written. There is a lot it's going on. It is. It is a book that I feel people either love or hate. Um, and I, as someone, you know, who is very into pop culture and watches a lot of TV shows and movies, there are still, there is still material or content that is, you know, they take the basic plot of Lord of the Flies, but they have made it more modern. Um, so even though like the story itself is, is older, it can be used to apply in uh, uh, our current society. And I, what what do you think? Is that one I, you I would really think? I really enjoyed Lord of the Flies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's still relevant. Mm-hmm. You can debate some of the social commentary aspects. Of Definitely. It, like, you know, uncivilized society versus uncivilized, uncivilized society. society. Right. And as we know now, that can be meaning Western society versus, versus Eastern uh, or non-Western European society. Uh huh. You know, so those viewpoints and debates can be looked at differently now. Mm-hmm. But it is basically, I do think the it's interesting still to think about how, you know, what would really happen if a group of kids, young teens to tween years, tweens and teens are on an island and have to fend for themselves. Like I the Wilds, the newest yes, show on Amazon that I'm obsessed that. with, I think is um, a more modern version of Lord of the Flies, but right. from all girl from girls, uh, teen girls' perspective, and you know, but oh. just that how would how would it interact? And right, and, and of course we know that the subtext from the the novel is supposed to be that without rules, without laws, without government society crumbles. Most right. And you can debate whether that's how true that is or mm-hmm. not. I would say it's more we, without community. Mm-hmm. Yes. Crumbles, right. Where I would agree. While the boys were working as a community, they were okay. It's when the community started to de- deteriorate because of leadership you know, the, the or lack of leadership or mm-hmm. interpersonal conflicts. That's where, you know, that's where they start to downfall before, mm-hmm. you know, the end. Oh, such Which, a great book. Not to give it away, you yeah. Know, it's not your own book. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And then the the two that I would add, two to add. I have two to add, and they are actually um, teen books that have been uh, written, you know, within the last ten years. I would say, um, the Black Kids by Christina Hammond Reads is a book that I believe came out within just like the last couple years, and it focuses. Oh. 
2020. Okay. Yeah. So very, very recent. It's set during the 1992 Rodney King riots and it focuses on um, a wealthy black teen girl kind of, well, before, during, and after, and how she's treated in these different time frames. And it's, it's very good. It's, I don't know. I just think it's a book that should be on this reading list because it captures a certain time period in um, American history and our society. And it is something that unfortunately is still happening in our society today. And I think the author just did like a really great job of uh, creating this world and dealing with all of the issues that the character, you know, goes through. She's very popular. And like I said, she's very wealthy. And then this incident happens and then she's treated very differently and she gets like a whole new group of friends and, you know, a lot going on. But I think it is uh, absolutely a book that should be on the high school required reading list. And then the other one, it's not necessarily a specific book, but the author, Nina LaCour, is um, a fantastic uh, YA writer. And most of her uh, teen fiction deals with teen mental health, which is something that we need to talk about more. And, you know, we something we need to talk about more, be more aware about, and just... We want to make sure that our kids are okay. And her writing style is beautiful, but I love that. I think she has four books at the moment, and I believe she has a new one coming out this fall, and they all deal with different things under the umbrella of teen mental health issues. Uh, so I know, David, you read The Black Kids. What Do, do you think that's – do you think that would be a book – to be added. I think that's one that could be added. Mm -hmm. And I think our generation who were young kids when that, when that happened, were happening, mm -hmm. um, would probably enjoy it more than maybe recent, uh, you know, today's teens. Although there, like you said, there are the parallels, you know, like this book was released. I did, I did lazy internet research and checked the publication and it mm -hmm. came out August fourth of 2020 okay so it was written before the george floyd mm -hmm. situation happened um and all all the aftermath of that so it was very relevant and timely publication um one now i'm thinking wondering oh did they move up the publication date because of oh, those events maybe or was mm -hmm. it just, that, it just happened to come out it was timing that mm -hmm shortly after those, the, all those of that going heard, on heard all that was going on then it was released um what uh what i can't say is that there's a lot of similar books or books yes. of those types that i haven't read to say like oh would this be a better choice there's dear america or is it dear america now i'm completely blanking but there's this like, is my america this is, is my america there's the hate Give there's right. The other black girl. Yes. There's a lot along those lines that you can, you know, since I haven't read them, I can say, oh, if there's going to be a required reading, mm -hmm. this one would be the one or right. over the other mm -hmm. or others. But I do think some writings along those lines that capture some of the issues or that, that we are still facing as a society are, are very well presented and in a unique aspect. 
this one it is in the unique aspect of here's this well off black girl who's living in a predominantly white neighborhood predominantly white school Mm -hmm. and how her relationship with her friends and neighborhood changes before during and after Mm -hmm. which is something that you don't necessarily think about unless you've gone through that right Um, have being a mixed person i haven't had those exact experiences but i know what that's like where it's like you're considered to be you know one one part of you is the focus and then something changes that would like then you're the other part or Mm -hmm. you know realizing that's like oh you know in retrospect in high schools like things that have occurred i'm like oh i look at that much different now mm-hmm. than i did at the time or at the time i was like oh this isn't a big deal or mm-hmm. you know just thought nothing of it well a lot of it look over, overlook some things because you're just trying to fit in and get through high school and figure yourself out and that now it's like oh man that was kind of messed up or mm-hmm. not right or whatever not saying that you know anything terrible happened just like oh you know language choices or mm-hmm. things that are said nonchalantly or whatever like hey that's somebody you know if i could go back and be like i just be like hey pump the brakes or mm-hmm. this is not okay mm-hmm. um, having been in a predominantly white school predominantly white neighborhood in town mm-hmm. although it's not i didn't go through anything any extremes of it, um, you know, I'm more aware of that. And I do appreciate that it's, that is presented that you don't always, it's not always captured that way. Usually if this type of writing, I would say these type of stories have always been from a disadvantaged youth's perspective mm-hmm, right. instead of a privileged youth's perspective. And then how they still have to there's different sides of that coin, right. whether you're privileged or disadvantaged. Um, but then it also with the black kids, she also does present a bit of the other side of the coin. Right. The other black students at the school who aren't from an advantaged family mm-hmm. they are the ones who have to ride six buses and take some two hours to get to school every day because of where they live. Those two. Right. Mm-hmm. the suburbs right around the school or right having a car that they can take and i think like when i when i was reading this uh part which this could definitely be saved for another episode um i think one of the other reasons why i love this book so much is we have teen fiction has really exploded in the last 10 15 years and is covering subjects Unfortunately, since Twilight, it has really exploded and has gone into all of the genres where like, even when we were growing up, you know, that material wasn't necessarily there, or it was just one or two books where there are many books on subjects, um, which I think is, I don't know if refreshing is the right word, but I'm just glad to be seeing more material on these subjects and having, you know, uh, 
more genres and subgenres within teen lit when you know it's i would say i mean teen lit has been around since like the 30s you could say which we are definitely going to focus an episode we're going to have several episodes on like the origin and the progression um so i'm glad to see that at this point we have all of this awesome teen lit well i would say while you're what you were saying with your comments just there what kind of popped into my mind is that up until the, I would say the last 10 years, it was always the, this, these type of stories were always period pieces. Right. Exactly. It was, it's like my brother Sam's dead yes. or across five Aprils. Mm-hmm. Maybe the teens perspective, but it's during the revolutionary war. It's during the civil war. It's right. always in the past. It wasn't current in the current time frame. It mm-hmm. wasn't like in the eighties, they, they weren't, coming up with stories to my knowledge now there could be stories out there i just never saw but there wasn't like oh this is what it was like being a kid in the cold war growing up in that mindset and mind frame going through those type of events it was always you know a generation or two removed from it if Mm -hmm. not centuries removed from it but looking at it from that perspective instead of Here's what people are dealing with at this time. time right. It's even, you know, the, I guess you could say it's the, I mean, this was younger because I think this was in elementary school, but, you know, it's like the difference between um, the Diary of Anne Frank or. Yes. The difference. And. Um, Is it Zlata's Diary? Zlata's Diary. Yes. yes. Where that was more relevant to me at the time because, mm-hmm. like, I think I was approximately the same age, but then. Mm-hmm that was going on at the time. Right, exactly. As opposed to, this was World War II. Two. Mm-hmm. I, I read either. and loved both of those books, and I read Even them many not, times. I'm not saying that one's more relevant than the other, but it's yes. a little different when you're not removed from it. Right, when exactly. Like, this is currently happening. This is someone who's approximately my same age, and this is what they're having to deal with. Mm-hmm. Definitely a topic for another episode that we could really deep dive into but this was a great conversation and a great starter to other episodes um so thank you so much for uh coming on and talking about this uh topic again a topic that could probably be continued to talk about in other episodes thanks for having me always always a pleasure yeah Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at BLD Teen Space. All of the books and whatever else material I think would be relevant to keep into the show notes will be available on Facebook. Uh, Thank you guys so much, and we will see you in the stacks.